Well, as shared over the last couple of weeks, we do begin our Treehouse Children's Worship opportunity today, and it begins now. And so, if parents, if you have elementary age children that you would like to participate in a children's worship time during the remainder of this service, they're invited to go with Mr. David Eanes, our children's minister, and other uh, children's ministry leaders. They'll gather at this time out in the foyer, and then they'll go down to the worship space. And parents, you can... Uh, you can uh, pick them up after our gathering down in our children's hall, or otherwise they will be transitioned to children's Sunday school groups uh, at that time. But we want you parents to do what is most helpful to you uh, in passing on the faith to those entrusted to you. And so we want you to hear, moms and dads, parents, we want you to hear that that's our commitment here at Meadowbrook. We want to come alongside. We want to support. We want to equip. We want to encourage moms and dads to, to faithfully share Jesus with their kids in the home. And so this morning, I want to share a message with you from Deuteronomy chapter 6 on, on faith talks. Faith talks. Faith talks are something that some of our staff have been talking about over the last few months. And Timothy Paul Jones, uh, who writes about family ministry, defines faith talks in this way. He says a faith talk is the designated time at least once per week for the household to gather for prayer and to study a biblical truth together. A designated time in the home at least once per week uh, for the household to come together for prayer and to study a biblical truth Together. So where do we find uh, a biblical foundation for this practice? Where can we find an example of this or instructions about this in God's word? We had a fantastic week of vacation Bible school this year, just a couple weeks ago. And so is, is it not enough? Is it not enough to, to send my child to VBS each year? Right? Is, it, is, is it not enough to support and, and, and take my, my, my student uh, to Wednesday night youth group? Each week, is it not enough even to send my, my kid to summer church camp or in the case of some today, even to, to allow them to go on a summer mission trip? We, we want, don't mishear me, we want your children and students to participate in these activities and to do so often for they are life, they are often life shaping experiences where the gospel is shared and where lives are changed. But according to the Bible, is, is that enough? Does that constitute Christian parenting? Is that all God intends when he tells parents to train their children in the instruction of the Lord? And Meadowbrook, I would answer this morning based upon the word of God with a resounding no. It's not enough. It's good, but it's not enough. There's a better way. There's a clear pattern in the Bible for passing on the faith. And it's anchored in the story that we've been reading together on Sunday mornings. And so if you're a guest of ours or you haven't been with us in some time, uh, we've been journeying through the book of Exodus. We're coming to the end of that book. In fact, next week we'll conclude the book of, of Exodus in Exodus chapter 40. But today what I want to do is I want to pause from that journey and look at a passage in Deuteronomy 
uh, chapter 6. And so let me invite you to open up the word with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, a, a passage that uh, speaks to and ties in well with right where we are in Exodus. And so if you've been here, perhaps even if you've been in church some of your life, you know this particular story where God hears the cries of his people, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he comes to the rescue and he leads them out of slavery, out of bondage in Egypt under the heavy hand of Pharaoh, and he leads them across the Red Sea and into the wilderness and toward the promised land. And fast forwarding several years, in fact, about 40 years, uh, the people are still wandering in the desert. We've not got to that point in the book of Exodus, but because they failed to fully trust the Lord, God keeps them in the wilderness wandering for 40 years. Well, 40 years, a generation or so has passed, and God is giving His people His instructions once again for what it looks like to follow after him. And that's where we come to this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so as you find your place there in the Bible, let me ask you, as is our practice here, to join me, uh, whether in body or in spirit, standing uh, for the reading of God's holy word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'll be reading verses 4 through 9. Let's hear the word of the Lord. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Let's pause together for prayer. Father, we pray that you would guide us now. Lord, we want to understand your word because we want to know you. We are hungry for you. So, Lord, guide us even now by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit that we might understand your word and apply it to our lives as your people living today. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. You've likely heard this text. Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've heard it taught or preached a number of times. It's a well-known passage in God's Word. This text is known as the Shema from the Hebrew imperative meaning here. So audience participation time. Everybody repeat after me. Shema. Shema. One more time. Shema. Shema. That's our Hebrew lesson for this morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This became a central confession of faith for the people of God. In other words, in our language, it would be like calling this text the hear text. Everybody say, hear. Hear what? Hear about the one true God and what He expects of His people. That's what's going on here. The Shema is a declaration of who God is. It's announcing, listen up, listen to who God is, and not only an expression of who He is, but who He is to us, who He is to His people. He is the mighty God who saves. He's the God who redeems who He is. His, His character and His actions make knowing Him and being in relationship with Him a, a quite desirable thing. In fact, for weak and Sinful creatures like us, it's quite the privilege 
to know and to love and to serve this God. We, we get to. We get to love and obey the mighty God who saves. I want us to hear that, that message, that call, that central truth from this portion of God's Word this morning. We get to. We get to love and obey the mighty God who saves. Yes, it's a command. It is a command. In fact, it, it's the foundational command of all commands, we might say. It's the one that Jesus said is the greatest commandment. Jesus was asked that in his own day. What's, what's the greatest commandment? And he replies, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. In other words, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's an imperative. But church, I want us to see this morning that obedience to this command is a privilege. It's a joy. It's not a burden. And it's a joy because of the character of the God who is giving the command. Uh, yesterday morning, there were several from our church family that went over to the well house, a partner ministry, and uh, laid sod alongside a few folks as they are preparing to open up a new uh, women and, and children's home there at the well house. Now, if you recall anything about the weather yesterday morning, and really all day and through the night, it was, it was wet. It was rainy, right? Rained cats and dogs all day long. And so for a few hours, there were several of us that just got wet in the mud, laying sod. And I don't know about you. I've laid sod a couple times before, but it's not something I, I want to do for a profession, right? It's not something I want to do every day. I remember thinking to myself, even yesterday, I, I don't want to do this every day. I don't, even, I don't want to get paid for, for this sort of activity. Praise God, there are people that do, and that do so every, every day. But to do so in that setting, what, what a joy to remember and to be reminded that this is in partnership with a ministry that is communicating the heartbeat of our God. Right, that is communicating day after day that God is a rescuing God who loves and redeems and invites His children, His people, to, to find satisfaction and delight and protection and forgiveness in Him. Likewise, when it comes to, to worshiping God, it's not a chore. It's a privilege when we understand who He is. We get to, we get to love and obey the mighty God who saves. Why? Why would I say we get to? Because there's no one like Him. Because there's no one like God. Now, if you're sitting this morning next to your spouse, turn to them now and say, Honey, you're the one for me. Go ahead. Now, do it again like you actually mean it, right? <laughs> Honey, you're the one for, for me. You're, you're, the, you're the one Right? Sometimes we talk about relationships and marriage in that way. You, you, you do. Can't help but laugh. I see Vonda and Brad over there and saw you're sitting between them, right? <laughs> How was that? We, we talk in that way, right? We talk about our significant other. We talk about, you know, finding God's one for me. No one like that person. We, sometimes we use that sort of language. You're the one for me. There's no one else for me. You're the one. Well, when Moses says... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's, he's saying that God, 
God is the one for us. He's the only one, right? He, he's saying that Yahweh alone is Israel's God. He's the only one. He's in a position that cannot, absolutely cannot be filled by any other. He's the one, the only one, and his people need to know it. And so when God gives the Ten Commandments, which have just been repeated in the context of this story in Deuteronomy chapter 5, when God gives these commandments, this foundational summation of his requirements of his people, he begins with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. This God is the only God. He alone reigns on high. And friends, He alone saves and redeems. We get to love and obey the mighty God who saves. Why? Because there's no one like Him and because He loves us first. It's a privilege. It's a joy. Because He has loved us first. John would say it this way in the New Testament. He would say, we we love because He first loved us. And Jesus would say, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Another. God's love precedes our love. He loved us first. And not only us, but this was also true in Moses' day for the people of Israel. Moses has already reminded the people in Deuteronomy chapter 4. He says, because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land. Give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Because he loved your ancestors, right? God's love for the patriarchs, for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and his love for his people and his people's reciprocal love for him. These are themes throughout the book of Deuteronomy. But but remember, remember what began this, this whole rescue story in Exodus. Remember Exodus chapter 2? People are enslaved in the land of Egypt. They've been so for generations. They're oppressed. And they cry out to God. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. God heard their groaning, the Bible says. He heard it. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham With Isaac and with Jacob, God heard and God responded. Why? Because he loved them. Friend, did you know that God hears you? He hears you always. He hears us. When we cry out to him, God God hears us. He hears us and he loves us. Us. He hears our cries for help and he loves us. Church, he loves us. And you might say, Pastor, this morning, how do you know? How do you know that God loves us? I know because of what it says in this book. I know because of what it says in his word and the Bible. I know what John says when he says, This is how God showed his love among us. He showed his love. How? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The gospel. That's, That's how we know God's 
love. In exchange for our sin, in exchange for our idolatry, God gives us Jesus. He sends Jesus, His one and only Son, to be the substitute, to live the life that we couldn't and die the death that we deserve so that we could have what only He deserves, right? A reconciled relationship, a right relationship with our Maker and eternity with Him. Church, loving this God is not a burden, but it's a joy. We get to love and obey the mighty God who saves. But how do, how do we do it? How do we do it? Notice I said it's not a burden, but I didn't say it's easy. It's not easy. It's not easy for me. Far too often I act as if I don't love this God or love other things more than Him. It's not easy for me and I don't expect it to be easy for you because our hearts are wicked. We are self-absorbed sinners prone to wonder from what is good, right, and true. Right? Like, like cheating spouses, we often cheat on God. Failing to love Him with all our hearts. Failing to put Him first in our lives. Failing to love this God with all our affection. So how, how can we do it? How do we do it? How can we give God what He is due in our lives? How can we obey this first and greatest commandment given the depth of our sin nature? How? We get to love and obey the mighty God who saves. I, I get that. I get that it's a privilege, right? That it should be easy, but it's not. But how am, how am I, a weak and wounded sinner, how am I to do it? How are you to do it? Here's how. By the Spirit's work in us. By the Spirit's work. The Spirit of God. The Helper, the Holy Spirit. By, by, by His work, loving and obeying the Lord who saves is a matter of the heart. How's your heart? How's your heart before the Lord, even, even today? The affections of your heart set upon the Lord who saves. Now here's how the Bible would describe the Spirit's work in Moses' day. Moses would soon say, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts. Circumcise your hearts and, and the hearts of your descendants. Why? So that you may love Him with all your heart and with all your soul. And live. A graphic image, right? Symbolizing the removal of stubbornness that often prevents us from loving God. God knew that left to themselves, to their own efforts, to their own strength, to their own resources and resolve, the Israelites would not and could not love Him with all their hearts. And so He intervenes. And so He Himself carries out the work of inward renewal for them. Not eliminating their responsibility, not eliminating human responsibility, but working by His Spirit to give His children the freedom and desire to honor and obey Him. You see, like like a father that knows full well that his children will struggle to obey, God knows that we will not obey. So what does He do? See, incredibly, God doesn't just save us by His grace. He does. It's not something we earn. We talk about that often. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But He also sends His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, to do a transformative work in us, to help us obey. So Paul would say it this way. Some 1,500 years later, Paul would say it this way to the church. He would say, and we all... The church, believers, we all are being transformed into His image, into the image of Christ, 
the character of Christ with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, God never gives up on His people. His love for His covenant people is unfailing. I remember that expression, that definition, the description of God Himself when He says that He is the gracious and compassionate one. He is slow to anger. It's abounding in love and faithfulness. It's abounding. It's unfailing love for His people. Matterbrook, may we yield to the Spirit's work in our lives. May we be a people who invite God to work in our lives and our in our hearts, may the Spirit of God transform our hearts, leading us to love and obey this mighty God who has saved us, who has rescued us in Jesus. You see, Father's more than a nice house, more than deep pockets and Disney vacations, and more than opportunities on the ball field and at the stadium, in the woods and on the water. Our children need fathers who love Jesus. Dads, do you love Jesus? Moms, do you love Jesus? Help us, oh God. Help us to be people and parents who love Jesus. Open our eyes and transform our hearts so that we long to make much of Jesus in our lives. Show us, God, once again, that you love us and have rescued us to know you and to delight in you. Church, we get to love and obey the mighty God who saves because there's no one like him and because he has loved us First, we can love and obey Him by His Spirit's work in us. This is why it's a joy to love Him and how we're to do it. When are we to love Him? When? All the time. All the time. This is not something we're to do some of the time. Not something we're even just do on Sunday morning with a commitment to gather with God. This is something we're to do all the time. The Bible couldn't be clear on this. We're to talk about our Savior when we lie down and when we get up. Meaning all day long. Day and night. The psalmist would call the people in this way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You His servants. You His people. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised. Both now and forevermore. All the time. We get to love and obey the mighty God who saves all the time. And everywhere. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere, but especially in our homes. I think that's what's being portrayed here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Everywhere, but especially in our home. That's the picture and model of Deuteronomy 6. Household conversations about the God who saves. Faith talks in the home centered on the Word. Verse 7, impress God's commands on your children. Repeat them to your children. Repeat the ways of God over and over and over and over and over again to your kiddos so that there is absolutely no doubt they will hear about the Lord our God. And so, friends, as we sit around the table and as we drive down the road, may we tell our children that we serve the God who saves and the God who is worthy of all praise. The psalmist would continue from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, from 
east to the west, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised everywhere, but especially in our homes. So Moses would go on communicating the word of the Lord to parents. Parents, in, in the future, when your son asks you, what's the meaning of this stuff? Why are we doing it? Why are you always talking about what God has said to us and commanded us? Tell your son we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out. He rescued us. He delivered us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us up from there to bring us in and to give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. Moms and dads, how could we keep such good news to ourselves from the years of our children, of those God has given to us, who has entrusted to us? If we always remembered, oh, if we always remember the goodness and the grace of our God, His good character and great worth expressed to us, expressed to us in Jesus, we tell them every chance we got. Because God has rescued us. But the truth is, and I don't think I have to convince you of that this morning. The truth is, we forget. We are prone to forget. And so we need reminders. Regular reminders. built. We need symbols on our hands and on our foreheads, Moses says. We need God's Word on our door frames and on our Our gates, perhaps not literally, as many devout Jews have taken it, but the gospel of our God ought to be in front of us often, continually before us, so that we and ours don't forget the great joy of loving and serving the mighty God who who saves. Some of many of you know this. We've shared with you recently that uh, we've moved to a new home into the neighborhood. We've been excited about that, and so we're beginning trying to settle into that home but the folks that lived in the home before us they uh, they uh, were devout catholics and so they have a number of statues of saints out in the yard at different prominent points and little crucifix emblems over many of the doorways right reminders different reasons that those are used but reminders that this home serves the Lord. That would be the intent of that, to keep those away, perhaps evil spirits and others, to remind folks this is a home that serves the Lord, covered by the blood of, of Jesus. And a reminder not only to others, but a reminder to ourselves that this is, this is a place where the Lord reigns. Now, we need reminders. What do those reminders look like for you? The regular re- and rhythm of waking up in the morning and opening the Word and spending time with the Lord in prayer. Regular regular rhythm and routine of a family conversation, a household conversation on a particular night of the week perhaps about the God who saves. Regular routine of gathering together with God's people to worship and exalt His glorious name. Regular reminders. So, So what about you? Will you engage in faith talks with your children about this God who saves? Will you remind those around you 
of the privilege and honor and joy it is to worship Jesus. Imagine the impact. Close with this, church. Imagine the, the impact it would have on this church family. Not to mention our individual families represented in this church family. And not only in this church family, but in this community and ultimately, Lord willing, around the world. If we were comprised of families that talked about Jesus in the home and talked about Jesus often in a way that is consistent with His character and the grace of God extended to us in the gospel. Church, may it be true of us. May the Lord stir in us and work through us in that way for the glory of His name. Father, would You do so? Father, would You do so in us? Would You exalt Jesus in our hearts and in our lives and in our homes? Father, may our homes be places where we talk about You, Lord, where we open your word and we communicate with one another a desire to know you and to follow after you. And Father, lead us that we might be faithful in in sharing why we desire to follow after you. It's because of who you are and who you are to us. Father, you are mighty and majestic. You are the one who reigns on high. You are the only God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're, You're the one who is holy. There's no one like you. Father, we profess that this morning and yet you are the God who is near Lord you are transcendent but you are imminent Lord you are with us you are committed to us you have taken up residence among us and sent your spirit to reside in us as your children Lord that we might grow in knowledge and love for you Father lead us in that way for the glory of your name may it be true of our fathers and mothers our grandmothers and grandfathers our neighbors our aunts and uncles Lord all those who are part of Not just our families, but Lord, our faith family. May we be comprised of brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters in the faith who walk alongside each other for the good of one another and the glory of your name in this community and to the ends of the earth. Lord, lead us in that way. We're hungry for you to lead us. We surrender to you. It's in the name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.